This is the Power to Podcast, show 135. If you have that mindset that it's my job to learn, like as a human being, to learn and grow, like I think that that, that mindset is what sets it apart. Welcome to a real-world education with insight and advice from teachers in the game, where current and former educators reveal what truly sets apart the great teachers and what it takes to make a positive impact on students. Whether you're in pre-service learning, new to the game, or a seasoned veteran, this is the show for you. You'll leave feeling inspired to take action because we are powering education by empowering you. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Ken Erman, host of the Power to Podcast, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Matt, the Move Up Day Rogers. Matt, this was a, we alluded to this at the end. This is a little bit of a weird recording, only because it is June. So we're recording this. My, my school year is not even over yet. Uh, you, are, you have moved on up to fifth grade officially um, in the school year, and this is coming out after the after the summer, so it was it was kind of funny at the end here. But um, how you doing, man? Well, I mean my my school year ended, uh, I guess six days ago. I've since been in my classroom four days of summer already in preparation. Uh, we're in a, a unique like, and I don't know how your building is, but we have like a two to three week window where we're not allowed to go into our classrooms because they're doing a deep clean, all that type stuff. Um, as the only real building to have changes to our staffing, uh, our building is getting cleaned near the end of the summer. And just like, it's brutal. As we speak right now, you know, I'm cleaning and organizing everything to put it into storage. It would be so nice if the cleaning was at the front end. I could set it up throughout the summer, but no such luck. So when you hear this, I'm probably scurrying around Lancaster County trying to find all the materials. And uh, I know I put that somewhere type uh, mindsets that is going to be very prevalent come come August. Yeah, absolutely. And and come August, uh, I think you're going to be using a lot of what we talk about in our conversation tonight with Brittany Montgomery, who is the 2022 Wyoming uh, Teacher of the Year. And we talk a lot about our unique learners. We talk a lot about our learners that need our support most. What was your, what was one key takeaway from the conversation for you? I think it's the recognition of all learners have unique experiences with education. So if something seems like it's going well, it may be going well for all of your kids. Uh, if something seems like it's going well, it may go well for a certain group of kids that you're focusing on, but how do you consider that well-roundedness of anyone and everyone? Uh, known needs or not. I think that was the, the big takeaway that continue to diversify the way you're presenting, the modalities you're showing learning, um, those type features really uh, kind of stuck out to me as I kind of plan how I'm instructing and the why I'm instructing going forward. 
What about you? Yeah, I, I think it's that it's that realization that um, one of one of the keywords she used was masking, and that realization that we need to make sure we're in tune with students multiple ways to truly make sure that we are supporting them in both their academic growth and their social growth. And there are many ways to track the academic growth in your classroom, you know, through formative assessments and, and check-ins aside from your summative, you know, assessments that, that hit the grade book. There's a lot of ways to, to, to keep those tabs on, on all students, but some students in particular, but that, that social piece of, of confidence of understanding the learning processes that really relies on that relationship that she, she talked about a lot. And, and I think that was, that was definitely a connection for me and, and forced me to reflect on what I've done in my, in, in the past with students and, and how I can continue to push that not only as a coach with the students I work with, but with, with the teachers that I work with as well. So um, unless you have any objections, let's uh, jump right into that conversation with Brittany Montgomery. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, Brittany. Welcome to the Powered Up Podcast. How are you doing tonight? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm good. How are you guys? We are doing fantastic. So kick things off for us short and simple. Let us know who you are, where you're coming from, and what your experience in education is like. All right. Um, I am Brittany Montgomery. I'm the 2022 Wyoming Teacher of the Year. I am currently in Green River, Wyoming. Um, I just finished my 15th year of teaching. I taught kindergarten for six and then um, the rest first grade. So primary early childhood is my passion. Um, and yeah, so my experience in education, not great. <laughs> pretty icky. I, um, in the last few years have been diagnosed with ADHD and, um, dysle uh, dyslexia, dyscalculia, and some other things that made a lot of sense as an adult. Um, but as a student, uh, penalized a lot for, um, and so I was like done with education once I got out and then, um, Somehow when I was in college, I realized like, oh, you could be the difference. Like I could help instead of, you know, there's another way um, there, you know, when I was going through college, there was a lot of talk of like, let's change how we're teaching kids. And um, it really helped me see like, oh, oh, there, there are other possibilities and other ways to help and support. And so that really drove me um, once I found out. I can put some of my stuff to purpose and I can help other kids navigate it differently. Um, that really, that inspired me. And then once I was put in front of kids, uh, it's, it's been just the most amazing journey. Um, I, I wouldn't take any of it back. It's been amazing. So. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. So when you when you found yourself landed in front of students based on the experiences you just talked about and and learning about yourself and and learning about how learning can be different 
What do you think was something that you initially did differently with your students that you likely would not have without those life experiences that maybe was incredibly effective off the bat or you, or you still do today, or even if it faded away, but what was something that you felt you did differently because of your life experiences to make a difference for those kids? I think one of the biggest things um, from the very beginning was recognizing that being the teacher in front of these kids is a privilege and that their parents are giving me this incredible gift that means the most to them. And so from the beginning, I, before school even starts, I connect with parents. And once I was in a building um, and teaching kindergarten, teaching first grade, I started building, you know, relationships with the families. And when I moved up into first grade, oh, well, then I had a whole year to build relationships with kindergartners. And so relationships with the students and their parents were number one. And um, again, just recognizing that it, it it's a huge privilege and an honor to have their child and that it's also a partnership and that all we want is the same thing for their kid to thrive and be successful. Um, and also the other thing that I think um, that I do differently is also I'm very vulnerable and I'm very honest with my parents and I let them know, you know what, this was icky for me when I was a kid. I tell kids all the time, uh, this is hard. And I am I started working on my doctorate. And so I've been able to, when I was working on my master's and, and now that I'm working on my doctorate, I've been able to tell kids like Ms. Montgomery's still in school and she's still struggling through it. Like I just, you know, bombed a, a paper the other day and I, you know, it didn't feel great, but remember we have that growth mindset. And so, um, again, just being vulnerable and letting them know I am not perfect just because I am an adult. Uh, I have learning disabilities. They don't disappear magically because I'm 18 and older. Um, and another thing, one of the greatest lessons I swear that I, I work with and teach my kids at the very beginning is uh, we're all talking about things, you know, oh, strengths and weaknesses, and I am not able to ride a bike. And I tell them every year, and of course, first graders, kindergartners are like, what? That's, you know, that's ridiculous. And they, you know, huge mock. And then I sit there and I'm like, no, like, for real, Miss Montgomery, I have no balance, no court. Turns out that's, you know, somewhere on the spectrum. Didn't know, but I do know. Um, and so, you know, they just, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh no, we love this person. And we totally just shamed and humiliated her. And we have very great conversation about it. Age doesn't matter. Um, you know, just be kind, be, you know, and, and then we talk through, well, how do we apologize? And, you know, just a lot of the, what, what do people call now the, the soft skills that we don't necessarily think are important. <laughs> um, and probably the other thing is working on those executive function skills that everyone assumes kids have. They don't. Uh, and if they do, they probably forgot. And again, we all could use a friendly reminder once in a while. So I think those kind of things are, you know, they don't teach you that stuff uh, in your undergrad or, you know, anywhere, really. That's your on the go. Um, just 
you pick up as you go. I mean, we hear it all the time. Like if you, if you give more positives, you're going to, it's going to be so easy when a negative comes. And yet, I don't know how many people actually are able to take that time to build those relationships with parents because it is, it's extra. But again, I recognize how important it is. And, and again, it is a partnership. Um, it's, it's had a lot of impact. And uh, especially during like 2020, when we were virtual, um, that was everything making sure parents, I was like, guys, please don't stress. <laughs> we're all literally it's survival mode. So just if you read a book today, great. If you sat and had them listen to me read, great. Um, just we're doing the best we can. <laughs> and yeah. For the first time ever, we have lost part of our recording on the Power to Podcast. So I am sad to say this, but also proud at the same time that we've gone 134 shows with really out any major uh, technical difficulties. So for a short portion, the beginning of this episode, we are missing two of Matt's dialogues and questions. I felt that it would be inappropriate to remove anything that Brittany said. So we are going to continue on with the podcast. And the next time you hear Brittany talk will be a reaction to what Matt said that I don't have record of. And there will be one other time where we hear Brittany respond again to Matt. So it's a couple prompts from that that we're missing, but the content that Brittany offered was too valuable to allow any of it to be removed from this show. So I apologize. Thank you for being a dedicated listener. And let's get right back to the conversation with Brittany. Right. Oh, goodness. So much to unpack, right? <laughs> um, you know, let me think. I, yeah, I, I don't even know how you, like, let me go back to one, do the first question for me again. That's right. Advocacy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So one of the things that I've, again, been able to do, like it is my generation right now that's raising a lot of the kids that are in elementary where I'm at. And, um, it's been, again, very eye-opening because I think when No Child Left Behind was kind of right around when we were, you know, moving forward and all of a sudden it was like math and reading were everything. If you were not that kid, your life sucks. Like, it was awful. I mean, you're lower, I mean, lower and slower or, you know, just, again, I don't, I needed my hands to be moving and I needed to be touching and, and saying things out loud and more projects and cooperation. And all of a sudden I'm not allowed to be in the same classes with kids because, you know, their academia is up here and here's me. I'm very distracting to, you know, a certain level of, you know, they, they need anyways, I'm sure you, you can relate. And so it's been comforting, I think, to parents also to tell them like, because they're seeing now with their kids, like, you told me I was going to be successful if I went through this and if I, I went to college and 
and now my kid is here and I'm not great and they don't seem very good either. And so it's like, what's going on? And so I'm able to work with them. And again, just because of that vulnerability, I'm able to say like, again, this is what it looks like when your kid with ADHD or mom, like this is something that helps me. It may not help them, but let's try it. I make sure that anything I put in place in school, it's something that's easy transitioned into the home if interested. Um, it doesn't have to be, but again, I'm in a small community. So I have the opportunity to see, you know, parents and students all day, every day. And so they feel comfortable with me. And again, I, I use, um, an app called Class Dojo. I don't use it for the behavior piece, but it has a portfolio piece. Um, and what's neat is you can record videos and kids can record videos. And um, it's given me an opportunity for parents to literally be in the classroom with us. Uh, that's one thing pandemic COVID taught me is we have this technology. like if we can offer a lens or an insight into the classroom, like that's all these parents want is to know their babies are okay and that someone's caring about them so that they're able to do their job. I mean, that's really, it's that trust and that that relationship of like, I don't need to worry about this because I know she'll contact me. And again, I contact them for positive. Um, we I don't really talk about negative behavior because it's all communication. And that's another thing that's been a huge shift um, in education and just awareness, I think, for a lot of us is we're not supposed to take that personally. It's just communication. Um, that's been a very big piece of my advocacy is, again, they're very young developmentally. Like, they don't know. And again, I kind of talked about, you know, we we went in a, into pandemic teaching and we handed kids, a lot of us, to do our jobs, handed them one-on-one -on -one devices, um, but then took them away and said, okay, now focus. And we forgot that just because they're a certain age, that doesn't mean we gave them all those steps and all those processes. And yet we're telling them, well, you're this age. And so it's just been a lot of remember when you were a kid, remember how it felt when someone spoke to you like this or think about um, how that felt or how this feels. I've had a lot of conversations just in general with um, teachers and just people, you know, when you talk to a kid and you're like, oh, I know you can do this, buddy. You're you're eight now. Like, you know, you should know how. I, that's not encouraging. And a lot of people don't realize that. They're like, oh, I thought that was peppy and motivating. So again, it's just a lot of like, uh, very like gentle awareness, I think. And again, very vulnerably allowing some behavior and also having those uncomfortable conversations about like, Hey, did you know that that's actually hurtful? Um, so that's, again, once you build those relationships with parents, these conversations aren't hard. And Again, having them in the classroom and my students, uh, they send their parents like either they'll talk about their assignments or, you know, they'll ask every once in a while, can I just, you know, send a short video to mom? I'm kind of missing her right now. And absolutely. And so, again, they know my number one priority is their child, their child's safety, um, that their child has fun. And again, learning and rigorous learning is an expectation, but um, 
Yeah, I just think there's so much trust that that advocacy is so organic because, again, it's just like a classroom. I take everything like as we're all learning together. Again, I'm not the teacher. I just happen to be in here with you. And I'm very vocal, unfortunately, for everyone. But and I, I asked a lot of questions. I didn't realize that is how I'm learning. I asked a lot of questions and it irritates people. And I didn't realize that either. So it's also learning how, for me, not necessarily, there's a difference between masking and being, you know, considerate. So just a lot of learning as we all, as we all go. Um, it's, I think it's been neat uh, with the teachers of the year. We went to space camp and, you know, I didn't express it to a lot of people, but it was terrifying for me. Uh, I actually didn't even end up, I, it took me an extra day to even get on the plane because I was so nervous um, to be in that setting. Not, not a math and science person. Um, again, in kindergarten and first grade, I'm kind of like, we're done here. I just now after 15 years, understanding place value because no one ever taught me what that was and so now that I've played with it and I've broken it I'm like oh my gosh why didn't people tell me like there was a whole different way to know this stuff and so we're at space camp and you're in these simulations where you're like an astronaut and everyone just gets really heated and amped up and you know at one point I'm sitting there, you have like a script that you're reading um, in these simulations, trying to have, you know, uh, this spaceship moving and stuff and everyone's trying to work together, but no one knows what they're doing at the same time because we're not astronauts. And you also have these like college kids that are your like chaperone people and they're in your, like there too. And there was this moment where we're trying to do something and of course the spaceship it's like sideways and it's not good and uh you know our our people in the the cap they're all yelling and, and um, i'm supposed to be reading something on the script and again i didn't know i had dyslexia i didn't know that was a thing and so i'm looking at a script but you're also looking at a computer screen which had like letters and numbers and then i have these kids behind me that are like again not they weren't trying to but it it's harmful but they were like oh did you know that that's like the kindergarten uh, you know simulation that you're working with that we have like three other tiers above and i'm like as an adult and i just like and then they were telling me to say something and i'm trying to read it nothing is i and i just started crying and um you know, everyone kind of stopped afterwards and they were just like, what? And I was like, you guys, this is this is what your students feel like. And instead of stopping and supporting, we're yelling, we have people mocking. Like, again, yeah, I'm an adult, but it doesn't mean it's easy um, just because. And so it's been a really interesting learning curve and learning experience. I've had a few of them reach out and say, Thank you for reminding us and thank you for also like providing that lens of like, remember, we don't lose that. Or again, it's uncomfortable as an adult to be like, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing here and none of this makes sense to me. Um, so that's been huge too for advocacy, reminding teachers like, guys, you've got to be looking out because they're not going to tell you you have a lot of masking. You have, again, just there's a lot of insecurity within um, disability and 
that's also what's hard for parents, like thinking about like an IEP table. I've been on both sides now. Um, I have young children and um, they're both on 504s. And so it's like, it's very interesting that too. And, and reminding my, you know, the team of teachers that this is what it feels like as a parent when there's 10 of you and two of us, and it's just negative, 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 or can't do, can't do. So it's just, again, it's been a lot of that, like very gentle, um, awareness and, and learning and reminding and just trying to everyone trying to do a little bit better. Right. <laughs> Cause we're all learning. <laughs> Ken, did you want to speak? Because I will talk over everyone the whole time. I actually, I have <laughs> not on purpose. No, 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 no. I have a a topic that I kind of wanted to bring up related to what Matt had said. So you jump in because my answer will actually transition finish that one right first. What I wanted to talk about. Okay. Well. Yeah. Okay. So, um, oh my gosh, I just lost it. What we were talking. Oh, all the mo all the modalities. So one thing that. I, again, like you said, superpower uh, of ADHD, um, uh, part of masking is knowing how to mimic. And I became so good at that. And it forced me to think about everybody's lenses all the time. And so I am hyper aware and hypersensitive to everyone all the time. So I'm always trying to find every uh, every way. And a lot of the other things, again, that's kind of neat in primary is I let them kind of show me where they're going to take it. Um, and that's also very helpful. Uh, I provide a lot of like, okay, we, we learn it in these ways. I have a few like certain things that I take data points from that's universal, but then, you know, at the end of the week or at the end of a month, like they're going to show me in the way that they want. So maybe they send a video to mom um, or dad, or maybe they're drawing something for me and they get to show me in their way. And again, primary is neat because it's just so easy. I feel to do all the things at once and to not, you know, and because I don't, I see it so fluidly all, I don't see uh, the topics uh, blocked. I know a lot of people see everything blocked and it's something that I've been trying to get people to play with more. Again, primary, you have that opportunity to, to have more fluidity and to have like project-based and stuff like that. But again, that's hard to track and stuff. So what I find is I, because I do so much of all the different, we go really deep sometimes and we needed to rein it in. And so there's times where I need, um, which is nice again, to have balance and to have, you know, people reminding me like, Hey, we gotta come back. Like we gotta get all this done at the end of the year. So, um, for me, it's not a challenge because I, I, I like, I love that. And I, I, it's important for me again, because of my experience to teach kids that again, not only do we look, feel all different, but it's important that we learn how to learn like others because it, it provides us that empathy and that lens. Again, I'm sure um, if, you know, Ken, if you don't have ADHD, I'm sure, you know, someone like me that's, that talks a lot. I mean, that's super irritating when you're trying to learn. And so I have to remind both sides, you know, we got to find that, that, that time together, that learning, that, that space where 
you know, again, we're all coming together, using our differences, finding different ways to show it. But it's important that everyone is having that equal opportunity, which is it's never going to happen. But I I try really hard to find those spaces for it. And I don't know what it looks like in middle school or high school because it's such a different world. But I feel like primary, we have that opportunity kind of organically, if that makes sense. It, it does make sense. And, and my my personal academic experience was was not the same i you know i <clears throat> i was good in school <laughs> yeah it, it was a you know i wasn't at the you know it's not like i finished in the top 10 percent of my class or anything like that but i could participate in just regular classrooms do my work and and it was and i, and I was pretty much good to go um and and i did i a lot of times i was pushed into higher level classrooms at times where I should have been and other times where I shouldn't have been. The one thing that I think supported me in having some academic experience that helped me support struggling students was, was my reading abilities. So I was typically in honors English classes, especially in middle school, because I had my comprehension was good and my writing was good, but I read extremely slow. And I actually stopped reading books and finding ways to cheat, like spark notes and different things, because I couldn't keep up with the pace of reading in my classroom. And then it just kind of spiraled out of control where I realized, hey, I, I pulled it off that time. I can't, that book's way too long. It just kind of spiraled from there. So it was like a little bit of a different experience, but a little bit the, the same in, in that sense. Um, and so as a teacher, I was just because I, I didn't have that experience didn't mean that I wasn't aware of the students that needed that support in my classroom. My, my first class I ever taught was second grade. And I will never forget, I had this student, uh, his name was Patrick, and he clearly had ADHD. I, I don't think it was diagnosed at the point. I was a, a long-term sub at the point. And I remember he was standing in my class. He was always a distraction. And I put him in the back of the classroom, just the way it was positioned. And he was literally dancing the whole time I was teaching. And I was, I, it probably came from frustration. I, I don't, I truly don't remember why I called on him, but I remember calling on him and he answered all my questions spot on. And I said, you know what? <laughs> Dance away, Patrick, stand in the back of the room. Like I, you know, I obviously keeping him in the front of the room wouldn't have been wouldn't have affected him at all. It didn't matter where he was. To everyone else, it mattered where he was. But I allowed him to be him, and I allowed him to not be a distraction to others. And so I, I think in that moment was a big uh, was a big uh, learning curve for me to realize that okay, there are ways to support all different kinds of students in what they need and when they need. And even when I was teaching fifth grade. I would typically have a conversation with my whole class because I wanted everyone to hear the message, but it was really geared towards, honestly, my more struggling learners and my, my gifted learners. And it was about study habits and it was about work ethic. And I would talk about how there are students in this classroom working extremely hard to earn Bs, maybe A's sometimes. And I said, if I had to make a bet on anyone that was going to be most successful in college, it would be those students in my classroom right now. So it was a confidence booster for those struggling students who were working extremely hard, but also 
to tell my advanced learners, listen, you could do absolutely nothing and get A's all year. It'll probably work till you're a sophomore in high school, but it's some, maybe a sophomore in college. At some point, that is going to run out and you're going to need skills to fall back on. So that's why I'm spending time talking about these skills and teaching these skills to all of you. And so I think it's just really important to think about the different experiences that all of our students can have and how we can best support them in the moment and also in the future as they progress through academia, through jobs, through careers, all, all of those different things. So for teachers that perhaps, so let's say newer teachers that didn't have an academic experience like you, or teachers that feel like they don't know if they're doing best by all of their students, what are things that we can look for or, or things that we can think about when we're thinking about our most struggling students to make sure that they aren't masking and they aren't, they aren't doing as well as they perceive to be doing to make sure that we are supporting them as best as possible, but not hovering over them constantly and, and making them feel smothered. Right. So I think, again, we have got to build those relationships first because trust is essential in, again, being able to provide those accommodations, which they're entitled to, which is something, again, I think a lot of people forget, like, <laughs> do people realize what it's like to be the people with these like disabilities? I don't, I mean, like, you know, we understand we're annoying, like we're super annoying to ourselves. So um, just again, remembering those lenses of, you know, like you said, everyone's got a different experience. And so for me, again, because I, I have the luxury of working with these littles that are the most graceful ever. I mean, I, it's important to me again, that they know just because I'm the adult, it doesn't mean I know everything. And so another key piece to my teaching practice is everyone is a teacher. Everyone is a learner. My students are constantly teaching me and I'm, I'm trying to help them. Again, we talk a lot about what are our strengths? What are, what are things we're working on? What are things that we're, we're not necessarily excellent in, but either we want to work towards being better at them, or it's just something that we're okay, that that's not our strength, but it's so-and-so strength. And I know that. And so we have this classroom community where everybody is working towards that and i spend a lot of time highlighting like wow so and so is so really talented in art look at how you know their lines and then when you as the teacher like again we have that kind of overlooking lens of like oh i get to see what you're special at and then remind you and help you with that so that not only do you recognize it, but your friends can recognize it in you. But we're also at the same time, they know, because I am so open with them about my strengths and weaknesses, that when they come to something that's challenging, they are not embarrassed to raise that hand and say, this is tricky for me. Like you said, you have a lot of kids masking a lot of your higher students, higher level that are like, oh, man, I'm not going to be that kid that's asking that. Like, I don't want to be the one that doesn't know. I don't mind being that person. So um, I just, I think that, uh, again, just reminding everyone, we all come from these different backgrounds. We can all, you know, 
have strengths and weaknesses, we can recognize them in, in one another. And again, it's kind of that teaching them self-advocacy, but also know what each other's strengths and weaknesses are. And so what ends up happening is I have kids checking on one another. Um, if they know so, so-and-so either doesn't like math, because sometimes it's that we just don't like it. It's not that we're not good at it, it's we don't like it. And so we need a little extra encouragement. And so again, it's sometimes it's not that we're good or bad at something. It's just, it's not an interest or it is an interest or we just need a little bit of motivation. And so they organically start to recognize that in one another. Um, and so again, like I'm able to do small reading groups because my kids just organically care about one another so much and success and our learning is so important. They know that our time is sacred and it's short. Um, every day they're like, are you kidding me? We just got here. And so again, I think it's that relationship, making sure something that I think a lot of people might not realize is those. And I don't know if it's an ADHD thing or like just a thing with a lot of us in general is I think people forget to root students and in, in the why, like, what is the purpose of education? Like, why are we here? And it's not necessarily just to go to college, which is kind of the only narrative that's been pushed for a little while. It's really a pathway, right? Like we're trying to just create neighbors and neighbors can do whatever, whatever career path, that's great. Again, if we're recognizing good and good qualities in one another and strengths and supporting, knowing I'm strong in this, I can go help my friend imagine what our community is going to look like, you know, here in, you know, my first group of kindergartners graduated last year. And so they're the adults now and they have these skills because I taught them. And, and again, once you're my student, you're always my student. So we still talk and they talk to me about, you know, this really helped me. Um, I was able to use this because I remembered that that was a strength of mine or, you know, just, again, if you root, the kids and purpose and why again like we're all here because we're learning like yeah we're learning first grade stuff right now um because we need that to go to second grade and I said but once you you know graduate from high school you get to decide do I want to go to college do I want to start a job do I want to take time to do something else do I want to go into the military we have pathways and again, if we start helping kids recognize like skills and that are strengths rather than, oh, you're going to be that career, I think it would open their minds and allow them to see like, it doesn't matter, again, what career I choose, like being a good person matters, having some of these skills where I recognize, oh, that person's struggling, like this is a strength I have where I can help. Um, or if I don't know how to help, maybe I can find someone I just think that is just, a, you know, again, like it's maybe one of those soft skills that they talk about, but it changes the whole dynamic. I mean, it takes a long time. Don't get me wrong. It is not easy. Uh, it's it's very challenging work, especially when you think I have 20 kids and it's just one me and we have right now, again, just extreme trauma, um, you know, COVID trauma, but there's a lot of mental health you know, trauma that parents are passing on. And um, in my class this year, I actually had three students that have each um, had several surgical, life-altering surgical, you know, transplants and life-changing life things. And so, like, there's so much trauma 
And then we have to get all the content. And again, a lot of them are behind because they just are. We're pretending COVID didn't happen. And so it takes time. But once those things are in place, like I said, it's so organic and it's very natural. And one of the most fulfilling things um, that I've been able to witness uh, at the end of the year, again, like I like to take all of the things that we've learned and put them into place. And so at the end of first grade, uh, my students choose an animal and they research it. They create a report. They create a presentation. Um, you know, they're they're doing all of this independently. They're, you know, doing PowerPoints, finding in first grade. And then at the end, they do a wax museum where they dress as their animal and they are frozen and people press a pretend button and they have a monologue they've memorized um, and they come to life. And I mean, that in itself is like, extraordinary. But last year, um, I had a student that very ADHD did not necessarily, he was excited to do it, but nervous. And he started and just immediately shut down. And one of the second graders that I had last year immediately, again, these kids don't really know each other. Um, we don't have recess together. And he threw his arm around this kid and he starts like, just kind of like, Hey buddy, uh, I think your costume's amazing. Uh, you you must have picked this animal because it's your favorite. Like, tell me, remind me what was on your poster, just like that. And I was like, all right, like we've done it. Like, so again, I, you can't measure it. You can't put it on a standardized test, but I like, and still the rigor is there. So we can do both. I don't know. That's something I've been trying to teach for a very long time. And it's so compartmentalized. People don't think it can exist. And it can. It's tricky. It's not easy. Every day is not perfect. I talk a lot about are we wanting compliance or are we wanting to act? Because, again, in primary and elementary settings, there's this, like, expectation of a compliant, like, quiet that's well, and I, I'm like, that's not how I learn. That's not what I want. Um, that's not really what it looks like when kids, but we've forgotten. And again, quiet compliant is so easy to manage and put them on a device. That, so there's just a lot of stuff that just because it's easy doesn't mean that mm. it's great. I, so. had a, I had a conversation today with one of my former grade partners. Um, I was in her room helping her. And she was telling me a story because we're, we're in our we're in our last week uh, of school, so we're recording this uh, before the summer, even though it's coming out after. And we, she was just talking about the emotional growth of some of her students, and I was telling her that's what I miss most as as an instructional coach. And so you've been teaching primary for for fifteen years now, so you have fifteen years of knowledge. So for a teacher that is looking to not run a compliant classroom like like you're describing and purposeful play is is a big movement in in my district right now especially with our with our kindergarten classrooms what would you what are some key instructional strategies and tips maybe especially from a management standpoint but but take it in the direction you need so just in general looking at our classroom what are key instructional tips that you have for teachers looking to run a classroom that is rigorous, like you described, but endorses more of that, that purposeful play and that, that messy learning versus compliance, especially in our, our primary classrooms. Mm -hmm. 
So again, I think number one, you have to be comfortable with uncomfortable. That's something that I don't think we've taught that learning is uncomfortable. Like we're not supposed, it's not supposed to necessarily be easy. If everything, you know, I mean, I think like, again, we're supposed to make mistakes. That's how we learn. And so, um, again, I think building those relationships so that your, your students feel comfortable enough to make mistakes in front of you. So make sure you make mistakes in front of them and allow them to see it, but also, you know, allow them to communicate it with you. I have a lot of people that are shocked because, you know, there's times where, again, I'm, I'm a human, so I get frustrated. I got 20 kids that sometimes they're all melting at the same time. It doesn't look great, but I have to remember I'm the adult. <laughs> and so it's a lot about your mindset too. And again, remember, it's going to look a little bit icky and that's okay because that is learning. And um, having, uh, so having those relationships is huge, but also a signal to stop everything uh, in the primary setting. I'm sure that helps uh, in middle school and high school as well as just having something where it's like, listen, when I say this, when you hear this, we stop, we look, we listen, what is, and we, we have to model that. I mean, you can't just say we're doing it and we're doing it. Like, and again, that's another thing that you, I think there's a lot of modeling, like, just don't forget that intentional modeling and don't forget to do like, Hey, thank you so much for showing us the, the not way today. Like, yes, again, that helps us ADHD kids. Cause 99% of the time we don't even know we're doing it and it's an accident. And so there's been a lot of like, oops, hey, thank you for showing me like, this is this is the, the way we're not doing it. So do that again for us. So we just all have that visual. So again, it's a, no good and bad, I think is key. Uh, recognizing behaviors, communication, what are they trying to tell you when, and again, if your relationships are, are solid, um, and how do we build those relationships? You're greeting them at the door. That's easy peasy every morning, you know, uh, taking five minutes of your morning to just sit down and have a question that's posed where it's like just five second, like a favorite, or again, that helps that build that relationship. Um, but having like a signal where everyone stops and like physically their body stops, they're looking, there's no um, sound that really helps with management because again, it's going to get loud at times. So we have to have a quick comeback, come back, especially when we're doing a lot of those hands-on um, activities because transitions uh, need to happen. And again, if you want to have purposeful play, you have to make sure you have the cleanup and you, it's a lot of routine. Um, which again, you have to kind of be 10 steps ahead uh, as a teacher. So think about, I think uh, one of the most important things you could do is just when you're planning, be purposeful and put on the lens of some of your other students, knowing your students, uh, who does have ADHD, who is on an IEP. Like again, sometimes we hear that, but are we actually going into those accommodations and like looking at that kid with those accommodations? Or are we just saying like, check, yeah, I did that for all the kids that have ADHD. Or I don't know if that makes sense, but like literally personalize, it's time. And I know that it, that's easy to say, um, especially, you know, right now during a, a very important like set boundaries uh, time. So 
I think it's prioritizing that and letting, you know, the people that are evaluating, you know, that this is a priority to me. Uh, and so you're going to see a lot of this and it might be loud, but know that I'm working on it or that we're working on it. Um, and just reminding your students too, like it's, our job is to learn. Uh, that is our job. I teach them again. Miss Montgomery's job is to teach, and uh, I need you to do your job of learning so that I can do my job of teaching. Um, we want everyone to be successful at their job, so we have expectations that we put in place. Um, and once again, when you have those kind of things, and they know, like, oh my, this is really important because if I don't learn this well, then I'm not going to go to that next step. And if I don't go to that next step, then, and again, it's just building that and rooting them back into like, we may, you know, like, again, it may not be, you need this in the moment or whatever, but like one, and um, one day you will, we had, uh, it's been again, a crazy year for us, but uh, our governor um, put out a proclamation where he said it was a, uh, bring your legislator to school day. And so for years I've been inviting legislators and they don't come. So this year, my students, we were working on friendly letters and uh, I came back from being testifying at, at um, the house and, and the Senate. And uh, they were like, well, what did you do? And I said, well, I actually learned about this really neat proclamation. And so we read the proclamation together um and then they were like well we know how to write can we write to them and i was like absolutely well we sent out like 60 letters we had uh school board members come we had um, representative uh representatives come but congresswoman hageman came she got a letter and she came and visited and it was like really neat for the students because she was like this really, again, this really important person. She's, you know, Washington, D.C. And um, they, again, they didn't quite understand the importance of her role, but they did. And so when she was talking to them, she asked, like, how did you think to do this? And they said, well, our teacher told us, you know, that you're the one making all the decisions for our school and that, you know, when we're adults, we get to help. It was just this really neat, like she was asking, she's like, wow, it's really neat that you guys understand and you're working on this. And so they know their job. While it's just to be a kid and to have fun and to learn that it's, a, they're building towards, you know, their future always. And again, maybe I don't need this skill right now. Maybe I could use it later. Again, is it something interesting to me? do I have to? There's just a lot of those conversations. And again, because we've built that class, like it's a family because we've built that, like they just, they trust and they, it, they just believe and they, they know um, whatever we're doing. It's, it's got purpose. I think deeply. Rooted. I think that's a beautiful <laughs> thing to, you know, my, my snap judgment is, Oh, primary age students, don't understand the gravity of what you're doing and like kind of shame on me for for putting a limitation on why can they not have an experience where they don't maybe understand that grandeur um and i think that's where we all strive to create purposeful experiences whether those are within our four walls or connecting outside like you said, understanding the why with kids, even at a young age, I think when they can determine that it, it is really, really powerful. 
Uh, yeah. It just, it gives them that little extra, like, oh, oh, that's why. Um, and it just, it was neat because, again, we had just done rules and laws in our class. And so here comes a congresswoman. No, you're not making legislative law, but you know what a rule is in our classroom. So you can see, oh, when I don't follow a rule in the classroom, this is the consequence. And then we talk about laws. And then, again, I think, like you said, people think these little kids, oh, it's it's above them. And it might be, but not always. And so um, I, like I said, my first group of kindergartners graduated last year. And so I got to, I asked if I could speak at their um, graduation ceremony. And at first they were all like, what? And we get, I get there and I talk to them and I'm talking to a lot of high school teachers. And I was like, I don't know why we don't have an invite every year. Like we should, we should fill the stands with all the teachers. Like I love those kids just as much, you know, even after, I mean, I, I still, when I see them and they're taller than I am, I'm like, oh, I still see that little kid, but also just having them come back and, and having them like talk to the kids and say, oh, I remember when Miss Montgomery taught me this and now I'm using it for this. Or uh, again, like I have to remind myself a lot. It's one of the things that I, again, why I became a teacher, be that person that you needed. And again, I remind those kids, like you can be that person for a friend. You can be that person for mom. You can do anything just because you're, you know, it. age doesn't matter. Like Anyways, it's just been a neat, I think, lens to offer people. And just, again, like, I try and take others' lenses, too. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's It's been neat. It's been really fun to watch. Well, and I, I, I even think that the foundation skills that you're setting up, whether that's relationship-wise, whether that's instruction-wise, leads into even their third, fourth, fifth grade experience, uh, if that is a prioritization, which I think is generally a priority, um, how to do school in primary. I've never taught right, it, right. but uh, to make it more purpose. Not anymore. Yeah, to make it more purpose. Because again, we got to hit the standards. And so again, people forgot, like, kids don't just show up, like, ready to go. Again, preschool is not mandated in Wyoming. Kindergarten is not mandated. You don't have to go to school until you're seven. And so for preschool, we have, you know, a lot of kids, like if you can afford it, you're going two hours, maybe twice a week, maybe three times. And then they come to kindergarten. And a lot of times, you know, we just hand them a Chromebook and say, now you are a student. Smile for 30 minutes during whole group instruction with 20 kids doing all the things like we just we got to stop doing that and again yeah standards are important they're critical but our kids have to be present uh and they have to feel like again I saw this meme where it was like uh no wonder our like middle schoolers and high schoolers are zoning out like we've had them writing paragraphs since kindergarten like they're bored um and yet they don't know how to interact in person with their peers. And again, well, we took away play. We took away hands-on learning. And I think, again, because that, that Chromebook or that tablet is so compliant, we think, oh, that's the best way to learn. A lot of times, we, again, like I'm ADHD, technology is not necessarily my friend and it's not how I learn. And so I run into a lot of like, oh, well, the, watch the video again to learn it. Or, and I, that's not, 
teaching and it's not teaching the kids again how to interact, how to collaborate. So for the first like two months of school, we do a lot of board games in my classroom because again, they don't even know they've not played board games, but like they don't know how to communicate. And for me, communication is essential. Again, we need to know your boundaries. We need, because again, we want people to be successful. That's the goal. And so again, that's all built in. Um, so yeah, I, you know, again, I, I have to remind, you know, people that are evaluating me, like you're going to not understand probably, or it's going to look super weird, but like, yes, we're playing go fish, but it's with math and, you know, like they're doing academic while they're doing this, but I had to start with the real go fish, or I start with the real candy land. And then eventually I transition that out. And now it's, a, so it's just a lot of modeling and a lot of, again, I think people want to quickly like put a bandaid on bad behavior, like get them out of the classroom. I'm not that We Again, we have our signal and we remind one another, like, what's our expectation? Oh yeah. We're in, you know, small groups or we're, uh, we're in independent work time. This is our, and we just, again, it's friendly, gentle reminders. Like we want to be successful. So remember friends or remember whatever scholars like this, you know, that, that again, if you set, have those expectations and, and again, you're rooted in your purpose, it, it's very, it just kind of comes again. It's not perfect every day. We have blowups and, but another thing that was neat was, I, so I had a, a student this year that's um, blind. And so she had a one-on-one -on -one para with her to help with technology and devices and such. And so she had this like backhand seat of watching all of it. And um, just seeing these kids coming in explosive, screaming at one another, like, again, they're like six, but they're ready to like tear eyes out. At the end of the year, they're like stopping and saying, I'm so sorry, that tone wasn't very kind. Or again, I have kids that stop me and say, Miss Montgomery, um, I didn't like that. Could you say it differently? Or could you like one of my kids was asking if they had earned something. And I said, well, what do you think? And she's like, we went through it. And she's like, you could have just said no. <laughs> so they're very like comfortable oh, yeah. correcting <laughs> me as well. So One one of the things that I think was interested in, and Ken, uh, I hate giving you credit, but some of the things that we've had the chance to talk through in previous episodes, we've been doing this long enough with, with great guests like you, um, that rings true that I think about is uh, the expectation of no expectations. And it doesn't matter necessarily the grade level that you're teaching, but a general reminder that the end of the day, if I'm starting with a group and I'm going to hold them firm to something, I'm going to give the instruction of how I expect it to be done. And that works with my nine-year-olds. Obviously, Brittany, you have a different scenario with kids possibly never seeing school before where you definitely have to do that. But I just think hearing what you're saying and, and merging it with some of the things that we know as, as human beings and, and educators i was i was thinking about how you you put caution tape in front of your door uh metaphorically in the hey you're going to come in and it may be chaotic right and that's okay um it doesn't take long for someone walking by 
to recognize that good stuff is happening as long as good stuff is happening. If they come in and they, yeah, if they see disorganization or they see unruliness at a time frame that it's that it's not being addressed appropriately, or um, you're not explain like, and sometimes that might be planned ignored, right? Like I I, I might be right, planning right. ignoring a student that's trying to get right. feedback, like Ken said, totally, <laughs> right? Or like Ken said, they're in the oh, back, yeah. they just need to dance, like let them if you, be dancing. If you can but yeah, there is it. also that. If you can justify that at right. the end of the day my classroom there are sounds there are you know lights i i have harmonicas and kazoos and i have the world cup bobazelas i'm i'm doing these things now i will tell you i learned especially at that primary if you want a de-escalation you should probably use a calming sound um and also i i know some teachers that use certain sounds to mentally trigger what they're transitioning to so when it's time to get your math materials, a nonverbal is a specific sound they repeat every single day or, you know, bathroom time, you might hear over and over again, but you don't even need to give directions for them to already mentally know what's coming, which means your prompting is a little bit less. I just, I, I think what I'm, what I'm hearing from you that I, I've enjoyed quite a bit is just the idea of this inclusive, inclusive nature of all learning in a direction of success, but also starting early on with, again, the foundation that kids can use to drive towards success 13 years past the time that they might be using you as they start their freshman year of college. And well, I think that's that's the beauty of it. And something that I, I also want to reiterate is you talked about how you focus on communication so early on from the beginning of the year. And I, I think it's so important in many layers. One is their ability to communicate with the teacher, but most importantly, their ability, ability to communicate with each other, learn from each other, teach each other, prompt each other, provide each other with directions. When someone's confused, they can lean to a peer. But even adding one more layer to that, that conversation that you just said, Matt, about outsiders, administrators coming in and, and observing and seeing is the student's ability to communicate with the administrators or the guests coming in about what is taking place. And my room was very similar, just in a, in a fifth grade format. Um, my principal would often say, what subject is this right now? In a positive way, because he knew of the way that I, that I organized my classroom and just uh, last week, I had a conversation with an upper level administrator who uh, was newer to the district when I was still teaching fifth grade and I work a little bit closer with now. And so she has not been in this administrator has not been in my classroom. Uh, it's been five years since since I was there. And this administrator describes my classroom and talked about how the students were in charge and the students were leading the learning in the classroom and and describing it to another individual. And I was always big on when an administrator come to, came into my room, talk to the kids. You want to know what we're doing? Talk to the kids. And I was confident in the student's ability to communicate that because similar to you, Brittany, I was focusing a lot of my time and energy on empowering them to be better communicators with themselves, with me, and, and with each other. So I would love to, to use this momentum to uh, transition into our exit ticket, which is the same four questions we ask every guest every week. So along those lines, 
out of everything we've talked about, what is the best thing a teacher can do to make a student school experience better? Um, just again, remember that at their core, they're just learning and that they want to know or they want to be successful. Um, a lot of times that they're going to communicate it the wrong way, just like we do. I mean, just again, remember to be that person that you needed. Remember that there's someone that they need and some part of you can fill it. Um, may not be perfect, but just build those relationships, uh, even if it's just, I know their favorite color. <laughs> so I can highlight things that are their favorite color every day. Um, just, yeah, get, get, just be there for them. Right now, I think people just, and students, and I, they, we just need someone to listen and just know us a little bit. I think those little details, uh, and, and it's silly, but using their favorite color as a highlight is a little touch that whether they know it or not makes a difference. Um, so what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received, uh, specifically teaching uh, related, but it may have come from a colleague, a supervisor, or maybe even a student? Um, I think, you know, one of the things in education, again, because we have to uh, be evaluated or we have to meet outcomes wherever you are. I think that everyone is very quick to remind you um, of your place or remind you, you know, of your mistakes. And so I think, you know, being reminded that I'm going to make mistakes, that's kind of how I go into everything. And so I just, every criticism, it's just, it's going to fuel me and it's going to make me better and it's going to help me help others. And so some of the best advice I've gotten is like, again, knocking me, you know, back into reality or just again, reminding me that there are other lenses because I can be hyper-focused or um, I think just again, remember that you can always learn, you can always grow. Uh, so just uh, maybe, you know, again, learn to accept mistakes and that growth mindset, but also like if someone criticizes you, like take it and think about it and, and use it. Um, so, you know, sometimes we get, I can get really uh, lay, weighted down by negatives and instead I've tried to use them to, you know, help me learn more. Again, if you know that you're a good person and like you have that self-awareness is what I'm trying to teach those kids is like no one can take that education from you and every single experience is a learning opportunity so just keep that I think in mind and yeah so sometimes it's that criticism that's been the very best advice like don't forget this or you didn't do this or this is important and this is why mm -hmm. um so we're, we're recording this as uh, the waves of the, the educational year are uh, calming at the end of the school year. Again, this will come out when the waves are the craziest possibly. Uh, so recognizing that that school year goes in waves, uh, that there are easy times and sometimes more challenging. Um, what is something you feel like every educator should hear to help power up through those moments of struggle? Mm. You're doing a great job. You are like, you're showing up, you're here. Uh, thank you. 
you know, you're trying, I guess, is really like, thank you for trying, maybe is what just reminding myself, like, I'm trying, like, we're all like, again, you know, we're not perfect. And uh, again, knowing like, no better, do better, but also know that a lot of us trying is all we can do right now. Um, and so I think just thank you for trying. Um, and also like, I'm here for you is another thing that I'm excited to just be able to offer. Um, because I think, you know, teachers, again, we're sending, you know, these student teachers with limited experience. And again, it's like one to 20, one to 25, like it's not, it's not the same. And so to be able to like, be that support, like I'm here, I'm really here for you. And, and I just thank you for trying today. I think would be things that I would love to hear as a teacher. Again, like not the take care of yourself because we're not really allowing those boundaries right now, even though we're saying it, but really just thank you for trying. Thank you for showing up today. Like, even if it's not your best day, like you showed up and I appreciate that because that's a challenge right now. So again, I think if we all just took a minute and just thanked a little bit more and had a little bit more grace, um, instead of being so quick to be like either pointing out all the negative or being so defensive, uh, I think we'd be a lot better off. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So it's easy to fall into facilitating a repetitive classroom. What separates teachers who are the ones constantly seeking to change, innovate, and adopt new teaching strategies? Mm, again, you're always learning. There's always an opportunity to learn something or to have a different strategy, a different tool. Um, so just that, that concept of, I am a lifelong learner. It doesn't matter. I, I hope I learn till the day I die, like something new. Um, and so again, just if you have that mindset that it's my job to learn, like as a human being to learn and grow, like, I think that, that that mindset is what sets it apart. All right. So realistically, I've enjoyed this conversation, Ken. I, I'm sure I can speak for you as well. Um, and, and sad to see it come to an end. How can we continue to follow along and our audience follow you as you continue to, to share great teaching practices and, and just all that you've learned? What are the best ways that our audience can continue to connect? Wow. With you? Um, I am on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, all those places. Um, and then I can share contact info with you as well. Um, because I do believe, you know, just mentorship or even a lifeline of like, how do I find this? Where do I find this? Like, just that's what is going to really help and save us. Um, again, like, I don't know how I became a teacher of the year. I tell people that a lot. It's very confusing. I, and yeah, I'm like, but here I am. And like, I make mistakes all the time. So titles don't matter. Age doesn't matter. I mean, we are all learning and growing. There's things that we are successful at, things that we're working on, like, yeah. <laughs> so you can find me anywhere and I'm available and I love helping. That's my mission, my purpose. So Excellent. Thank you so much. We will link up to all of that on our show notes page, which can be found on our website at poweredup.com, as well as wherever you're watching or listening, just scroll down far enough and we'll have it all linked down there as well. So Brittany, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you for the conversation. I'm excited. We were, 
we're able to connect and, and learn from you tonight. And I just encourage our audience to reach out to you with questions and ideas they have to, to continue to collaborate. So thank you again. Uh, enjoy your, enjoy your summer for our listeners. Good luck for the new school year. This is weird recording this with the, the timing that we're at right here, but, uh, yeah, well, yeah. So again, it's, I mean, it, it's going to be that time. So please like reach out if, if not to me, like, please reach out to someone. I think that that's something is find someone that you are comfortable asking those questions because, and again, let it be me, um, ask all the weird uncomfortable questions because that is how we learn if you don't know like you need to or you know again find someone teachers don't don't be ashamed of not knowing that's fantastic so as we power down this episode Brittany, you have left us powered up thank you so much for the time and uh we, we really appreciate it so uh for our audience stay well uh, best of luck with this new school year. Again, weird to say. And yeah, and we will talk to you next week. See you then. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to or watching us on YouTube. Each week we get to talk to amazing educators who are making a positive impact on the lives of students, their colleagues, administrators, and education as a whole. It's been such a privilege every week to be able to talk to these incredible individuals, learn from them, grow with them, and better myself and all of education through these conversations. If you haven't already, please consider sharing this with a colleague, someone who can benefit and be powered up from the experience of listening to these incredible conversations. Because of Powered Up, we are powering education by empowering you.